Have you noticed? Summer 2022 is coming to an end. Maybe it's the angle of the sun. I noticed that today. Or that dusk comes a little earlier. And I'm at Zion National Park. While the sun still packs a punch during the day, if you're hiking or just sitting around, the evenings cool off pretty quickly. And that's what's going on right now. I'm sitting out here by the fire, watching people kind of roll in, getting their campgrounds together. And uh, it is a beautiful, gorgeous place. I'm in the South Campground here at the entrance to Zion and shocked that I was able to get a spot for two days and there's empty spots as I speak. So uh, Sunday night, Monday is always a great time, but boy, this time of the year to get a spot here seems a little amazing, but here I am. Now in the Midwest, it is state fair time. Out in Utah, they're already hunting. A turning point, a turning point for more than just the sun and state fairs and getting ready for the big harvest or hunting. We're going to talk about Turning Point 2022 at Summer's End in Podcast 1068, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Well, if you listen to this podcast, you might need some uh, relaxation techniques (laughs) because it may affect you in a negative way. It's not intended to, but uh, let me recommend BU Enterprises. What they do is they get on Zoom or they get on some uh, form of uh, communication, FaceTime or whatever, and they will work with you to address uh, whatever your problem is. And they also work with companies so they can do groups. And it's great to have a moment during the day, regardless of what you're doing, taking care of kids or running around delivering pizzas or whatever it is that you've got going, especially people that don't have to have two jobs to survive, as we will talk about. Uh BU Enterprises is great because you can do some stretching and you can do some breathing and it will make a big difference in your wellness. So here's what you do. For more information, go to BUEnterprises.com, B-E-Y-O-U.com, or click on their banner at the top of the page at the Bob Davis Podcast. I'll be telling you a lot more about them in the future. What makes me happy are donations, and thank you for the donations at the Bob Davis Podcasts. Again, hard to get cell service, so I I don't have my list, but I know that people have been doing the thing where they go and they make a monthly donation, $10 Todd Myers, Mindy Collins, uh, and and many, many, many others, and I appreciate that. Also, you can donate as much as you want by going to thebobdavispodcast.com. You look down the right-hand side of the column and you see a picture of Mobile Podcast Command. Under that is a donate button, takes you to PayPal, the rest is up to you what else can i tell you uh the bob davis podcast of course uh available off the page at the bob davispodcast.com google podcast spotify itunes uh chiefly and if you want more info just go to the bob davispodcast.com all right i have done a lot of um, philosophical podcasts lately normally i don't just talk about the struggles of the nomad internally I'm certainly not the guy that's going to tell you what kind of battery to get or, you know, what kind of rig you should have, that type of thing. I don't do that. But I talk about these internal struggles that we deal with. I also talk about the real day-to-day challenges of nomad life, which I love. One of these, even for nomads and for the rest of the country, is the struggling with inflation. I think we're at a turning point in this struggle. A moment in time at summer's end which we will look back on as that moment before dot 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 I think a lot of people feel this 
they don't put it in those, and they won't put it in the kind of technical uh, words that I will uh, concerning finance in this podcast, but I think everybody feels it. And there's examples of this before where, I don't know, maybe you did feel, most people didn't even see these turning points coming. Maybe the summer of 2019, before the pandemic took hold, who would have thought, right? Or the summer of 2008, just after the fall of Bear Stearns and the beginning of the financial meltdown, there were people who uh, saw these turning points coming and understood their impact. But the vast majority of people were blindsided, including some very smart investors and politicians and so forth, who were wiped out. My only interest in so-called macroeconomics is sociological. And let me explain this. So if you started listening to me years and years ago, you know that I did a lot of political stuff, and I did a lot of political podcasts for a long time, and I gave it up. If you found me because you're a nomad, I try to avoid talking about politics because it's a no-win proposition. I don't need to go into too much detail. I've done podcasts about it. You can just do searches for it on uh, the page, thebobdavispodcast.com, and you can find them. Suffice it to say, this is not a political podcast. And even using the names of uh, political personalities is uh, something that I don't believe belongs in a podcast that is concentrating on the travel vibe and how great it is to be a nomad and what it means and the timelines being different from back in the land of bricks and sticks and so forth. I also think one of the chief mistakes that uh, so-called economic analysts and famous investors make is uh, their penchant for tying all of the world's economic problems to the current administration or political figures. It doesn't matter which party is in charge uh, or why. For example, this administration's ban on drilling oil in certain areas recently stayed by a federal court, meaning it was put on hold until it can be examined by another federal court or a higher court or whatever. But it's an executive order, said you can't drill, yada, 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 here and there. And the court struck it down and said the president doesn't have the authority to do that. So this is a huge controversy in the energy uh, community and, and with certain um, uh, economic analysts. And there is, a, again, they have a penchant for trying to tie it to this guy or that guy. And I know there are people saying, well, what if it is? I, I don't know. And I don't think it has anything to do uh, in the long term with macroeconomic trends. And that is what I'm going to talk about in this podcast. Because getting back to the drilling ban, what you are not told in uh, almost all of the news stories that I've read regarding this issue is that the oil companies don't want more oil right now. They certainly don't want to have to put oil in storage, which is something known as a contango, and the Saudis are already talking about cutting back production. Well, why on earth would they be saying this? Well, let's look at a, uh, some facts. Consumer confidence uh, and demand are on a downward spiral. Germany is in recession. China is clearly in recession, and it's more apparent every day that the United States is in recession. And I'll say you cannot have inflation for very long or very high energy prices for very long when consumer confidence is in an all-time low, when demand is falling off the end of the table, and when consumers are adjusting their behavior and the world is falling into recession. Sooner or later, the chickens come home to roost. 
because demand goes down. Here's some more facts. U.S. small businesses, for the first time that I've seen in quite some time, are reporting increasing headwinds. Consumer savings have been depleted. Credit use by Americans is increasing and is about to hit the wall as we try to maintain consumption and pay 50 to 60% more for food and fuel. But there's another main reason why we're going to look back at 2022 as a turning point. And we're going to talk about it in the second half of this podcast. Got to get a shout out to my guys at 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue in the Lynn Lake neighborhood. They're community involved. This is the first thing. They really are down with the community, trying to do as much as they can to help that community, which has had so many problems over the last few years. And I'm not I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, Lynn Lake. I'm talking about uptown and all through the area. And you guys know why. Uh, and they are really into locally sourcing products in the store at 36 Lint. So if you are making, if you're a farmer or if you are a locally sourced product person, this is a good thing to know. Uh, Lonnie that owns the place is really into this. They're getting known for it. And of course, they can get fuel at a lower price and pass the savings on to customers. Stop by 36 Lynn, get some coffee, look for some burritos or whatever you like. Say hello. And thanks again, you guys, for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcasts. This is a controversial statement. I can't believe that it is, but it is. Great inflations are caused by central banks or governments printing or injecting too much currency. Essentially, too many dollars chasing too few goods. Great inflations are not caused by government spending or stimulus, essentially fiscal stimulus. So macroeconomists will distinguish between policy stimulus which is very dangerous when it comes to inflation versus fiscal stimulus, which has to do with the debt, more importantly. So let's talk about policy stimulus, because this is what I believe uh, created the inflation, and I believe it started a long time ago, like going back to 2000. But specifically, since 2008, the U.S. Central Bank, a public-private banking regulator known as the Federal Reserve Bank, has engaged in holding down interest rates, below what some people think is a natural level, essentially almost 0% interest rates, and injected trillions of dollars through various methods known as quantitative easing. I'm not going to explain quantitative easing. I understand quantitative easing. There are places that you can go to read about quantitative easing that explain it. I will put the links in the blog. But I'm not going to get into explanations of quantitative easing. Most of the quantitative easing is in mortgage-backed securities uh, and other kinds of bonds. And uh, as you will hear, those bonds uh, mature at different times. That's a key takeaway that you need to remember. So U.S. inflation and the inflation that we have exported to the rest of the world has been built up over a long period of time by the so-called Fed. And when the current Fed chair tried to rein it in in 2018, he was vilified by the president at the time and ultimately reversed course because we cannot have a recession in uh, an election year. And why would we have a recession? Because all of this quantitative easing and low interest rates are uh, often referred to as liquidity. This is debt, which is then loaned out and you can get easy money and start companies and invest the profits and so forth and so on. So when you take away the liquidity or the punch bowl, as they said back in the day of Alan Greenspan at the Federal Reserve, well, you get a negative result in the form of a recession. 
Now, let's get back to why this moment in time is a turning point. Well, it's real simple. It's tactical. At the beginning of this year, the Fed announced its quantitative easing programs were going to end. And there was a lot of speculation about when and, you know, uh, a lot of people whistling past the graveyard talking about, well, they'll never do it and so forth and so on. And it was going to be replaced by something called quantitative tightening. Well, quantitative tightening began in May of this year. The short version is the Federal Reserve for years bought $95 billion worth of securities for years. So think of that as a lot of forward momentum when it comes to liquidity now throw it into reverse so that's what's going to happen so as they raise interest rates they're also pulling billions of dollars of liquidity or easy money in my view out of the markets so again this was announced in may but the securities held by the fed don't fully mature all at once so qt essentially didn't even start until june and by september of this year and especially october a full $95 billion per month will be maturing or being pulled out of the system. So credit liquidity is being pulled out of the monetary system, the banking system. So once that's fully ramped up in October, that will go. And it essentially leaves businesses and municipalities and developing countries and individuals going to private lenders and paying higher interest rates because there's no more support from the Federal Reserve for easy, quote-unquote, easy money or money at low interest rates. And this is just beginning. It will probably continue until the Fed balance sheet is liquidated. So the world financial system today is a system based on the idea that debt equals money. Not metals, not productivity, or baskets of commodities, but debt equals money, money equals debt. This is accomplished by injecting money into the banking system. The banks loan out the money, and th that is how they create money today. This is different from all the years before something called Bretton Woods II. So just remember debt equals money. You take away the debt, you take away the liquidity, and you're gonna start slowing things down. This is why the markets have begun to uh, uh, peter out or uh, why some say we are in a quote unquote bear market. And this idea that the Fed was gonna start doing this again, they were gonna start loosening uh, their, uh, their monetary policy is one of the reasons we had a so-called bear market bounce recently. So let's t look at some facts. Because I think it's very interesting, we've got, and I'm going to say this on the, on the side, one of the things that you hear a lot is this idea that we can talk ourselves into a recession. You know, if you were just positive, we wouldn't have this recession. There are, uh, there are some undeniable facts. There, there are consumption figures, there are monetary figures, there's amounts loaned out, there's interest rates, there's things that are real. And when you look at the real data, the picture is not pretty. Okay, consumer confidence is bottoming. Maybe it could p perhaps go lower, but it's historically low. Small businesses are reporting troubles, as I mentioned. No matter what they tell you this earnings season, the third quarter reflects business performance before the worst of this inflation took hold early this summer in June or July. And in some cases, third quarter results are really not stellar. Inventory is now the problem in retail. And it's beginning to be a problem in other sectors, but specifically in retail. And I did a podcast about this two months ago because I was furious that people kept saying they couldn't find stuff. Uh, retailers' inventories are at 
an all-time high. Now, what does that do? It drives down prices, and it's going to force retailers to, to write this down over time. It's already happened with Walmart and Target, and you're going to see this continue in other areas of retail. Almost all other commodities right now are down by double digits, copper, lumber, and so forth, because the housing markets are also at a standstill. Less liquidity is a disaster for housing and real estate. One of the things that I see in my travels, and I have I noticed it in more than one spot out here in Utah, these used car lots are filling up really fast with late model trucks and cars. So on, the only thing I can figure out is I got to get rid of this or they come and get it because you can't afford to make the payments. And with China and Germany in full recession, how do you get inflation even with crude oil? Even more with two quarters of GDP contraction in the United States, uh, increasing interest rates, and the Fed withdrawing $95 billion of liquidity from the markets. Some macroeconomists predict we will see a precipitous drop in stubbornly high food and fuel prices. The other thing is the dollar value is increasing. You hear a lot of people talking about how uh, the dollar is being quote unquote debased. The dollar value is increasing. Disinflation, or my understanding, uh, reduction, a, a slight reduction of prices uh, in, uh, within the uh, inflation rate is already apparent. Uh, most major retailers and technically at the gas pumps and definitely in the equities markets, you have disinflation, if not outright deflation, which is a general and prolonged uh, reduction in prices. Once deflationary uh, forces take hold in the housing and employment markets, we are going to have deflation. And finally, uh, I, I, I don't want to sound like Mr. Doom because actually this is good news for the nomad community. Because our two biggest cost centers are food and fuel. So if, uh, if there's a deflation and fuel is reduced substantially, it really eases our life as nomads. And I think ultimately uh, it's good news in general because I think there's a lot of companies that, that don't do anything, are highly unproductive, and don't seem to have any reason to uh, exist. They exist because money has been, you know, it's been very liquid and there's been a lot of money to be able to be raised. And we've seen articles already uh, this year about how uh, suddenly the venture capital funds have dried up for tech. So again, this is what the results of pulling away the punch bowl or essentially shooting everyone at the party <laughs> actually does. Uh, we will have lower gas and real estate prices and auto prices and rig prices that may be historically low. At least that's my prediction. And that makes me very happy. You know, my mom used to say, I can remember sitting at the kitchen table that my dad built. It was this, it was almost like a, a huge island kitchen made out of wood. It was amazing. And I remember her, there, the, there was a story on the news because we had this little TV in the kitchen and uh, it was about a recession. And I remember my mom saying, well, I don't know what the big story is. I'm not, I, I'm not opposed to having a recession. I wouldn't mind paying 49 cents a pound for steak, which was an interesting comment. Why do I remember that? <laughs> I remember that very clearly. We live in a society now where any oscillation in the economics of the country, which is a normal thing, business cycles are normal, 
uh, of this idea that the government has to do something to prevent this from happening because it's going to cause all kinds of problems. Recessions can be very good, and sometimes deep recessions can be very good for uh, the country and the economy. Now, if you lose your job, it's the end of the world. But losing your job is not the end of the world. And we nomads know this, that there's you there, there's good things that ha happen and bad things that happens. Some days are diamonds and some days are not so great. So you just have to take the good with the bad. And recession is part of a normal process of the cycle. One of the things that's happening with this is really significant. We are tightening and removing liquidity at a time when the country is going into recession. And there seems to be a denial by uh, top federal officials and some political people, and this is the only political thing I'll say, to say, well, we're not really having a recession because they're looking at the employment. Uh, they're looking at the Phillips curve. They're looking at employment. And I think that's a mistake. I think that uh, I'm not going to tell you that tightening is a mistake because I think that's how you get rid of inflation. And we just cannot have inflation. We can't let inflation get out of control. And ultimately, we're going to have to get the federal spending under control because that affects the debt side of things. And that makes it even more difficult uh, because guess what? It's going to cost the United States government more to service the debt if dollars are deflated than if they are inflated. But the American people, the customer, the consumer, just can't handle this level of inflation. It's going to change behaviors. And the only other thing I'll say off the top of my head is once these behaviors are set so in other words once we stop traveling or we t go shorter distances we buy less fuel or we buy less food we sl we switch to hamburger from steak or we don't buy steak at all or we don't buy any meat we buy chicken uh, that's meat but we buy fish and chicken cheaply because it's better than you know buying meat whatever your uh, adjustment is those changes are uh, very hard to uh, to reverse. Uh, for example, my father-in-law, who grew up in uh, deprivation due to economic situations, was famous for, you'd go down, he had an office in the basement, you'd go down there, and there were these shelves that were full of paper towels, toilet paper, and uh, Maxwell House coffee. He, he just stockpiled things like that. And he didn't tell anybody he was doing it. He just did it because that was his, he learned that uh, as a young guy. And that is a behavior that never changed through 80 years. And my mom was the same way. They, they And my dad too. They, they would make something work as long as they could. That's something that came from the depression. Once you go through this uh, adjusting your behavior, it's not easily changed after that. So fasten your seatbelts. Welcome to the Turning Point at Summer's End 2022. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1068, the Bob Davis Podcasts. 